0: Whether we're talking about games or movies, everybody has that one specific series or franchise that they become attached to. It could be something like The Lord of the Rings or Star Wars on the big screen. And in video games, you talk about games like Mass Effect, Bioshock, the, the story, the lore, the characters, the gameplay. Everybody still talks about these to this day. And when talking about the topic of remasters, sometimes people have like this questionable thing of, well, it's the same game with a fresh coat of paint. but recently, we got the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and there they fixed a lot of stuff that maybe some people, myself included, complained about. So if the question became is it worth playing Mass Effect again or for the first time? We're gonna be talking about why so many people are excited about this on another exciting edition of A cash of the Past with a brand new episode available every single Sunday and clips available across the week at youtube.comslash a cast of the past with yours truly Juan Velas. I am from San San Juan, Puerto Rico, and joining me, Brick House from london ontario keith hamilton my buddy my Hi, friend
1: i'm commander hamilton and commander this is my hamilton. favorite podcast on the citadel yeah man yeah this is this is a game that you and i specifically
0: really connected with especially between mm. the first and the second connecting one, right?
1: is a strong word Get when over we're talking it, keith. about our, Get no, over it. i'm not over it let's just go right into it i gave one my copy of mass effect to, i i I love Mass Effect like a lot when when one was talking about the people that connect with some franchises like this is my jam. I love the Mass Effect series. It's one of like my top three video games franchises of all time might even say the Mass Effect 2 is my favorite game of a previous decade. Well, I gave Juan that game because I felt so strongly that it was good and he needed to play it. Then what did you do, sir? Hey, I beat the game. It just took me like seven years. Okay, Keith? Okay, maybe like five, actually. I, my paid full price copy, I even paid to have that ship I'm from Canada, to Puerto, to, you. Rico, from Canada to Puerto Rico. I'm like, you know what? I've got this. I feel so strongly about this. And you take that and you just throw it in the trash. But you he, ignored it. I eventually played it in and I genuinely loved my, my time with it, right? And we eventually even
0: played the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. And I dabbled a little bit with the first one, but when going back to that first one that came out in around uh, 2007, what kept your interest? Like, what made you connect with these series of games?
1: It has a lot to do with the world building that they created with Mass Effect. Like, I'm as I've like basically beaten to death on this podcast, I love star Wars and it was very much like a, an amalgamation of star Wars action and star Trek dialogue that they were going for in this original mass effect. And the fact that it was a Bioware game and Bioware already had this amazing pedigree of these dialogue driven story driven games. Like it really was a perfect storm of a video game of the things that I am interested in. And it was a home run to me. I'm And maybe home run is a bit strong, but it was definitely like a, a game that I just fell in love with, with certain aspects of it enough that I was willing to look over some of the downfalls that the game has.
0: Yeah. And when, and when talking about this, from an outsider's perspective, right? Because I played a little bit of Mass Effect 1 and I had some problems with it, especially some of the vehicle stuff and things that they did address in this ledger, a legendary edition, which is why I'm really excited to check it out. But... From an outsider's perspective, it was fascinating to see how much people connected with the world and the lore. And like you mentioned, it reminded me so much of Star Wars because people became hooked on the uh, novels, right? Because this 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 game got all of that. So if you wanted yeah. story and decisions like this, offered all of you uh, that. And as you mentioned, you know they had uh, Knights of the Old Republic. And they, they're coming from that incredible pedigree with a well-recognized RPG. Them being Bioware, you mean? What? Them being Bioware, Exactly, you mean. them being Bioware. And it's just something unbelievable that they were able to create this unique, you know, uh, just brand new IP and have that experience. So when they announced this Legendary Edition, which it is not a remake, even though they've definitely overhauled things, but it's still the same game, just a whole lot was added what was your reaction to that having not played
1: these games in maybe a couple of years i was so freaking excited because honestly like even just being a fan of mass effect aside it is a series and franchise that didn't age well the games themselves are fine but it became this problem of the because especially with mass effect two and three the dlc is so important to the overall experience like they have some of the best dlc in video games period especially from that console generation but in order to play them, like, yeah, you could pick up a copy of Mass Effect 2 for a cup of coffee, but all of the DLC was still full-priced. That's
0: always so been a you, problem with a whole lot of games, where sometimes the game will be 5 bucks, but the DLC, the base price is still like 20 or something.
1: Yeah, it's insane. So every time that I wanted to jump back into Mass Effect 2, or any game in the franchise, really, it would be a case of, oh, well, I need to either dig out my old 360 from whatever box it's in, or rebuy all of this DLC, and when you're talking about the entire franchise, you're looking at upwards of $100 for the entire experience." That's what I loved so much about the announcement of the Legendary Edition because now you have this complete package with all of the games and all of the DLC. It's not something where you have to figure out and download it one by one and spend way too much money on it in 2021. Now it's all in a concise package. Like the fact that they upresd everything and upscaled it, fixed some controls, and, and did like those minor improvements. Like that's all icing on the cake. as far as i'm concerned the fact that we have this complete mass effect trilogy original mass effect trilogy package that is very available very very accessible in this generation like that is so exciting to me and now there's finally like a place that i can tell people this is why you need to play Mass Effect and this is where you play Mass Effect. It's not like a conversation of oh, you need to pick up this and then buy this DLC and then buy this DLC but you can skip this DLC but then you want to get this one, this one, avoid this one and then you want to play Mass Effect 3, get these two and then just this long list that like people just roll their eyes by the end of it. That's a thing of the past now and I'm super excited about it. And I think
0: if if our main question is why are so many people excited even though, even before we hit the record button my intro was going to say in the past 10 years you know this game the first one was almost 20 years old as much as it hurts to to say it's not okay it's nearing that exactly so just not okay at all (laughs) just put yourself in the context that there's a lot of people that their first Mass Effect game was maybe Andromeda or maybe it was Mass Effect 3 because I've heard many people say like, oh, the 360 and the PS3 is old, but that's where these games came out. And sure, there's backwards compatibility, you know, in on Xbox One. You can't play these games on PC, but sometimes when people, it's like if it's not something like Netflix. Netflix, there's a movie, you hit the button, and you stream it. With an old video game, you brought up the incredible point, which is, okay, here's the game, but the DLC still there, so you can not get the DLC, but you get the overall package. And this reminds me a lot of like when we would get uh, Game of the Year Edition games, which we still get that, right? But yeah. before, it was like a year after the game came out. I feel like this is the perfect scenario. Like we've, the both of us have not played this yet, right? So we may eventually provide uh, a more detailed review, especially the first Mass Effect at some point down the line of the podcast. So if everybody uh, would like us to do that, Definitely let us know. You can also add us on Discord at acastofthepast.com uh, slash Discord and subscribe at youtube.com slash acastofthepast. But the fact that it's the ultimate game of the year edition, you're not getting the first game, you're getting the first three games. They're fixing the things that for years, because they have all this data from fans like yourself, p- people that are obsessed about this game. And they're like, okay, subjectively, this is something that a lot of people do not like. What if we were able to go the back? The Mako says hello exactly (laughs) especially
1: in the first one
0: and even something that they announced in that process is hey you want the original style thing you also get that so you almost get like a instead of like a game of the year i'm gonna say it's like a celebratory mass effect package that i have no doubt man it, uh, it reminds me
1: a lot of the uh, the master chief collection that they put out a couple of years yeah, ago because yeah. they have a button and it's it's a literal graphics button oh yeah with where halo, you can be playing amazing, halo yeah. one and then you can hit the select button and boom now you're at xbox one graphics exactly giving the option to have whatever you want the way that you want it Exactly, and and I have no doubt that, look, Mass Effect, especially
0: with the last two games, did not end on the best note, right? I think a lot of people got that sour taste, and maybe this is a chance, because I believe the... The, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, with Mass Effect 3, we first got a, uh, an ending that a lot of people did not like, then DLC was added, they made some changes, and supposedly this Legendary Edition, the things they did afterwards, that is the new official ending, so it's hypothetically a cleaner, more palatable ending, is that the case?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because they actually have the opportunity with this to rewrite history Which is in weird, a weird yeah. way. Because, yeah, the original Mass Effect 3 ending was, everybody hated it for, I, I won't get spoilery in case that there's somebody out there that hasn't played Mass Effect 3 and is checking out for the first time, but... It received a lot of backlash i was of the mind that it was fine the way it was but i was in the extreme minority on that one so they fixed it they added to that ending and gave people exactly what they wanted and then later on they added more dlc and more context to it that even elaborated on it further and made it a more complete package well now if there's this generation that it's for me it's really hard to wrap my head around the fact that there are people that have never played this game but the fact that they have the opportunity to go in and get that finished version that like that they maybe wanted all along and fans were like okay this is exactly what we wanted like that's the starting point for people and they have the the opportunity to get the best experience possible with that without having to go through a thousand hours of indoctrination uh, theory videos and all of the insane fan theories that were out there just to get to that point originally yeah, and even something else that
0: confirmed is some of the DLC had to do with weapons, and something that I have freaking hated with a lot of games is sometimes the weapons DLCs, yeah, like 2
1: was bad for that. Like, it, it was to the... You know that time in video games where it's like oh you want this weapon in a game Well, will go buy a case of dr pepper and then oh yeah that was the, the shotgun worst. mass effect was really bad for that there was like armor and pretty good early game armor and a that lot was of the like stuff locked. was like way
0: too much powerful than other stuff to the point that it would be game
1: breaking right yeah absolutely and then it was just like it was it was marketed in a way that it would cost you hundreds to get all of it because there was the Dr. Pepper one. There was the one if you pre-ordered at Best Buy. There was the one if you pre-ordered at GameStop. Then there was the collector's edition one. If you wanted everything, it was a task to do all that. And to be able to just get all of that, that is really cool. And they confirmed that you don't get that from
0: the moment you get the game, you can just buy that with the end game currency, which I think is the best of both worlds because mm-hmm. you avoid, it's like when you get a fighting game or other games that have everything unlocked from the beginning, it's like, well, this is cool and all, but I'm being spoiled. And sometimes you just blaze through the game. So here you have that experience. Now in your case, like forget about everybody else, Keith, this is all about you, buddy. All right. We're, if in, you were, the, to we're tell in the us, Hamilton zone. Exactly, now. man. If you were to tell us like, this is why you're excited personally, uh, to go back and either just play the first one or the trilogy once again, knowing some of the changes, what
1: will be your main reason as to why? DLC aside, which is the point that I mentioned earlier, it's just an, a chance and an opportunity to reimmerse myself in this universe that I just I love so so much, because there are like, there are almost like triggers in my brain that happen where if I hear the music from the Normandy, or if I think of a certain scene, then I'm like, boom, I'm falling in love with Mass Effect all over again. And it's been a few years since I've played the series at all. So this is an opportunity for me to get this brand new experience with it being this up thing and just an an opportunity to go in and experience it all again kind of like it's almost like visiting an old friend especially in the way of how strong the characters are in that game being able to experience the stories with all these characters and i want to say i'm gonna make different choices on this one but i'm probably not i was gonna I'll ask that because that's one of the challenges the when you go thing. back to
0: these games I, I have a similar situation
1: oh now i'm gonna play as the bad guy nope i make the no. exact same decisions you'll make two of the bad decisions you're like i oh, feel bad. I don't want to and then just go back to fall into your old habits I've accepted that and that's okay with me that I'm going to do that but to just to be able to see these stories again like even just talking it rambling into this microphone I'm rethinking about those little micro moments that happen in the Mass Effect games that I just loved so much like the Caden or, Ash- Caden or Ashley choice in one or being able to save Rex or the really really cool st- Saren thing that happens in mass effect one or building your squad into oh i just i love it all and I, i can't wait to experience it all again no and i'm i'm on a different boat
0: because i played a lot of mass effect 3 but it was only the multiplayer the first one i dropped off and the second one is the one that i did beat so i'm going in with the mindset of I know that by buying this, I get everything. Like I have, if I want to just play the three games yeah, for like I the 500 hours. I don't have to ship hours. you a
1: copy for you to play it. You have no excuse this time. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. But I love the fact that some some of the fears that people have when going back to older games is like, is it, does it run right? Does it look good? We've sort of poked fun at the fact that, especially in that 2007-2010 generation, a lot of the games are a little monotone, and I don't think Mass Effect necessarily is guilty of that, but they do seem to address some stuff that's like, yeah, that was 2007, not necessarily in a good way.
1: It looks like a game from that era, and they fixed the things that make it look like especially
0: that. Those games games were super dark because you would have that brightness slider, which thankfully most games got rid of because I just never put it dark because I, I could barely see a damn thing, even when I put the yeah. suggested one. So here they seem to be like, okay, we are aware everybody has HD TVs," which is another thing. Back then, they still had to consider people buying this and playing it on a 4x3, especially with the first game.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how I played the first game because I didn't have an HDTV until I had a 360 so I would have played that, that first us, one that makes this feel like it's 500 years old just Yeah we I played know. this game on a 4 by 3 I dated myself I I remember the exact moment I got an HDTV it's when I was playing Dead Rising 2 and oh, wow. they they couldn't Like, if you were playing it on 4x3, you weren't able to read the text because they made it so small because they had built the game for TV. So I'm like, I can't read this. I need a new television. So Dead Rising 2 made me go out and spend more money than I probably should have. So for everybody watching and listening, uh,
0: please let us know whether you've already played the game and you want to share some of your initial impressions about the Legendary Edition specifically, right? And I think eventually, once we play, whether it's a full review or not, it'll be interesting to have a conversation about which are some of the other games that should get this level of treatment. because. Obviously, it's a lot, right? Think of the amount of hours, and I don't think there's, you know, 50 games. I could definitely benefit this, but there's a lot that could. So, for those who want to suggest some of that stuff, definitely uh, drop that in the comments. So, because we had a chance to speculate about why so many people are looking forward to checking out the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, that brings up a question, which is when you when you bring it back a little bit and talk about the overall action RPG genre, you know, especially somebody like Bioware has. Just an incredible library of games, not just with Mass Effect, but also Knights of the Old Republic. That does bring up the question of what makes a good action RPG. We've previously gone back on this podcast
1: and talked about you know, what makes a good is what makes good actionware or actionware RPGs. <laughs> hey, hey, hey they, that's probably they should a have thing, that. right? They should. Is that like a Metroidvania? <laughs> it's an actionware, a Bioware RPG. <laughs> so, when not talking about Bioware, if you were to just say, okay,
0: this is an awesome action RPG, just generally speaking, what is like the first one
1: that comes to mind for you? So, I think we even need to peel it back an extra layer and define, because I think it's such an open term, what is an action RPG? Because it is a, like, if. Let, let's dissect the words "action RPG," it. where it is a role-playing game where action takes well, place. There's action. Wow. That's kind of every video game ever, <laughs> <Yeah>. isn't it? <laughs> it you is are playing the RPG role of something with action. <laughs> Yeah, the it is a game where you are playing the role of a character and actions are taking place. So I, I always get a kick out of that term. But no, in like jokes aside, it is a little more defined in the video game space as like it's a it's a game that has like maybe a loot or a leveling system. And it's not turn based. You're more it's more like twitch or skill based or you're it's more real time so for me i usually think of games like dragon age even though that's a bethesda one because it's the it's the game that took your turn-based or like your turn-based games and made the bioware uh, formula more real time dragon age was a big one with that and like it, it, it modernized Baldur's Gate is pretty much what I'm trying to say. But outside of BioWare, you have your games like Diablo, which I think is a big one. Um, your Fallout, your Bethesda games. I think like Beth- if you were talking about the action RPG friend like um, genre, it's kind of the two pillars of it are Bethesda and BioWare. So basically those type of games. The game where you... Are either given this role as a character and you are following their story or it is open enough that you are will or that you have the ability to make your own story I think that's a pretty good general way to talk about it. at least for me I actually
0: go back to something like Star Ocean the second story on the PS1 and that game, I would brand it an action RPG because I think when when you think about RPGs, it's usually turn-based, right? So the obvious examples mm-hmm. are like Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy. And forget about the turn-based stuff. There's a lot of decision-making. Even if it's not with the story, it's like, hey, which type of weapon do you want? Do you want to be more defensive, offensive? You know, you get the mage, you get the thief. You have a lot of decision-making. But with a game like Star Ocean, you had all of that. You also had things like crafting elements, but the actual battle, the fighting, was live. And mm-hmm. that's something that I think a lot of people, it, it persuaded them to get into RPGs because I think a lot of people enjoyed the decision making. It's like, Keith, what is your build going to be? But then turn based fights would start, it's like, oh, they're just standing there, they're just sitting there. And I think that's what that's what a lot of people like. And, and for me, a game that it's technically an action RPG, but a lot of people don't necessarily look at it that way. It's like Yakuza, right? Because when you look no, at a yeah. game like Yakuza, it's not 100%. a beat em up Like, you beat people up. But there's a lot of decision making that goes along. There's skill trees, you know, you
1: level your character up. But and you were it's it's almost in like the bioware side of things yeah. where you are playing the role of this character with Yakuza in that case being Kiryu, and you are experiencing their story. You are playing the role of Kiryu through this action game. And I
0: think a lot of the elements with action RPGs is also like turn-based for me kind of takes you out because even think about the beginning of final fantasy seven bombing mission,
1: everybody's running. So then you're standing still. And then you stand there like this for a minute or two, and then you hit the guy a few times and then it's over. It's, it's hard to keep that pace up.
0: Exactly. Where with uh like a mass effect or dragon age, it's like you're experiencing a similar story, but you're moving. And I think that immersion is definitely in there. So you brought up things like Dragon Age. Uh, you know, you can talk about that the Republic, a lot of games like this. But what is like the one that you're thinking, hey, either I would love to go back or this is a great example of an action RPG done right?
1: Outside of those ones? Yeah. Hmm. If, so, we've mentioned the two pillars that I love so much, and I think even though this, I you could argue that it doesn't really fall under that, but I would be a person that would say Diablo is a very good example of an action RPG as well, because it it leans more on the action side of things than the role playing game side of things but you are still playing the role of a character class absolutely you- you go into the game you pick if you want to be in Diablo 2 we'll use this as an example because I've been thinking a lot about it lately with that remaster and I can't wait to play it I want to just go deep into Diablo 2 again like the fact that you are making that choice of do you want to be the necromancer the paladin the druid the barbarian that is a role that you are choosing to play in this action game and it's less about story and even though it's there but and it's more about the action that you are doing and collecting your loot and making your guy stronger and going through that cycle that really isn't that different than the other games that we've spoken about, like the Dragon Ages, like the Final Fantasies, the Fallouts. It's just a little less story and a little more action.
0: I think uh, this even takes us back to the arcades because... When I think about action RPGs, even though uh, I I don't know if it could be more like a hack and slash, it's like Gauntlet. When I think about Diablo, right? To me, Diablo is like the evolution of Gauntlet because one of my biggest complaints with uh, arcade games is what happens. It's like an arcade game is great for the arcade. But the complaint that I had as a kid is when you bring that home, you realize, oh, the quarter. It's built to suck quarters out of your wallet. And 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 once that's gone, it's not that fun. Because it's like, okay, I have my character. But the RPG element's like, okay, you get the action, but now you get to make more decisions. There's a reason to go back. And more often than not, and you brought up a a great example with Diablo is you can max out a character. Guess what? You can start all over again, brand new difficulty, brand new class, and you can do that. Uh, one game that I, I really love, and these games are going up in price a lot, are the Champions of Noroth, the Return to Arn games on PS2. Yeah, you
1: were really into those games, I remember, back in like the PS2
0: era. And they're still awesome. Like I recently went back and played some of them because of like the whole nostalgia, is that going to be bad? And my first reaction was, first of all, damn, it's difficult, it's really hard to play, but... It's Mm -hmm. like amazing gameplay. You brought up Baldur's Gate, and I think it's, you spend, let me know what you think about this. Even with Mass Effect, there's a lot of decision making. I feel like it is an action RPG, not RPG with action, if you know what I mean. Like the emphasis at the end of the day is, when you go to that battle, the decisions you've made flourish. Whereas a turn-based RPG, it feels like the
1: the battle is there to
0: bridge the gap with the story.
1: So it's kind of different, right? It's the part that makes it more of a video game in the turn based where there's always the it. it's the part that separates the narrative. Like you need to get to the battle to get to the next part of the story, where a lot of times in the action RPGs, the battle and the story almost blend together and to become the same thing. Absolutely. So.
0: What would you say is one of the things that is non-negotiable for you? I think everybody has pet peeves with a game, right? Like in my case, if you tell me there's a starvation element to a game, that that is my biggest turnoff. Yeah, but,
1: no thanks. <laughs> yeah, I
0: just don't like it. But focusing on the on the must-haves, so it's like that one thing that you have got to have, or that they got to get right in order for you to enjoy an action RPG.
1: They need to check. It. It can be either or, but they need to either check the strong characters box or the strong world box. Like you need something to keep me engaged, whether it be I want to experience this world that they build or I want to learn more about the characters that they've that they've developed and their stories, because that's really, in my opinion, the biggest driving force of these games, even beyond the actual gameplay Itself, because yes, I get that the gameplay needs to be fun and it needs to be a good loop. But you need that reason to drive forward and actually enjoy it. Because one example that I always think of constantly is uh, is Two Worlds. It's a game for the Xbox 360 that should have succeeded, in my opinion, but because it had like the formula behind it to. Be a good one of those games, but it just felt soulless in actual execution. Like it was here, go do this quest. You don't really care about the characters. The gameplay is kind of mediocre. The world's just green field after green field after brown field after river. And you just like it there was no soul to it so that's really the game that made me realize you need one or the other to succeed i think that's a really good example for for me i'm a big fan of beat-em-ups and and
0: hack and slash so for the gameplay side something that i need is just have it flow there's been a lot of Mm -hmm. like pretty good action rpgs but when you start playing and you feel that animation right it's like when a game is good, you don't even notice the little things, but then you'll play a game that has that jank, right, where you got to press the button and just something feels so off that that really throws me away. But then if you only give me the action, you lose me but then on especially the flip side, in
1: like in an action rpg it's really easy if a game works for like yeah. your brain to almost go on autopilot like you know the things that you are supposed to do with the character that you are using and your brain just kind of makes it happen and the second that you're taken out of that and you have to think about what you're doing it, it loses me I'm, I'm with you there
0: And I think something that Mass Effect 2 did really good for me is that the lore is almost more important than the story, because I'm not saying the Mm -hmm. story was not important, but Sometimes a game will have like a really bad story, but just shove it down your throat. And it's like, dude, I I get it. You're you're trying really hard, but I'm not clicking. But if at least the world, if I believe that I'm in space, right? Not that, oh, well, they put the space texture, that breaks the immersion. Whereas if I feel like I'm a mercenary, if I feel like I'm on a suicide mission or or something like that, that gives me purpose. And that makes every every punch, every kick, or every sword slash mean that much better. And I feel like- really that's in what Mass
1: mean. Effect 2 there's not a lot of story you have the basic idea that you're given at the beginning but then it's a game spent around character work and i think that's why it's so successful in my opinion it's your they took the time and they took a game to be able to make this threat feel like universe ending and you have to go to extremes just to have a little bit of a chance against it. And that whole game is character work to build that squad to give you that chance. And I think the best stories, even when you think about movies, right?
0: Lord of the Rings. What is like the short form version of the story? Hey, we got to get rid of this ring. That's the story,
1: right? In itself... Mm -hmm. That is the story. Frodo is in danger. Frodo dies? Frodo doesn't die. The exactly. End.
0: But then the character building that you mentioned, that makes you care about the journey. We got three movies
1: out of that, right? Mm-hmm. And some people well, could say, well, let, let you me get that as the justification. To uh to kind of go on that point, if you did not care about the fellowship of the ring, the that group of characters, would those movies be half as revered as they would be today? Exactly. No, that, that's a great point. And with,
0: uh, it's hard to just not fly to talk about Bioware again, but something that they've been really good at, at least for, with most of the games that I've played, even going back to like a Jade Empire, right, which is a, a game that a lot of people forget about, is you care about the characters, and they try really hard to be like, hey, maybe this character is not your cup of tea. Maybe you find this character annoying, but somebody's going to click with that. And I feel like some games try to have too many too many neutral I'm saying this with quotes characters. They
1: want want somebody to fall in love with every character. Exactly. To the point where they almost get homogenized and none of them are unique. Where in a Bioware game, even in the bad Bioware games, because we're, we're talking about Bioware with all this reverence, but really, I think up until the last console generation, like the PS4 era, they... They, they fell off a cliff there, to be straight, as far as I'm concerned. But even in the bad Bioware games, your Mass Effect Andromeda and your Dragon Age Inquisition, the characters are still good because they are all so different from each other. They're, they rarely have the same traits, and you might not connect with all of them. And that's okay, because then it almost incentivizes later playthroughs to give those characters a shot. And even if it doesn't work, well, then you can just dump them and try somebody else. Like I I had that um, exact situation in Dragon Age, the original one, because that's one of my favorite games from that console generation, where... I played through that game about four times and I didn't even make different decisions all that much in that game. But it was about... Okay, I'm starting a new playthrough. I had these two people as my party last time. Now I want to try these two people and see how they react to scenarios and see how my playthrough differs just from having these two people around as main characters and not as supporting roles. And that's really, in my opinion, where the strength of those games come from.
0: And I think that doesn't just extend to the story, but also the gameplay. Like, if you're giving me options they better matter, right? Because yeah. some games have had it so you can use either magic or or sword or you can just button mash X and you'll progress. And it's like, what's the point of making a decision when really yeah. it
1: doesn't change the gameplay loop all that much? And with the story like you're mentioning. Why do the hard thing when you can happen, like do so much less work and get the same result? exactly
0: and and on the flip side as you mentioned with uh, the story part is if you're if you're giving me decisions about the story and between the characters i hope that the actual conclusion is not hey everybody's happy it's like if this doesn't have if there's not a threat if a character cannot die off or something don't even give me that option because i feel like yeah. a lot of games sometimes are guilty of like hey here's 80 options but really keith you still end up in
1: like one of the two scenarios and- it's it's a circle where you yep. start at one point and then the circle gets bigger and that's all your choices and that's all your choices then you get to the bottom of the circle and you're almost funneled into the exact same scenario as everyone else And I think one game that we can sort of close the topic of is, I mean, there's
0: a reason Skyrim has had, like, 50 different versions, despite the fact that all of them are glitchy, all of them are broken, and it's, like, one of those key words that
1: everybody loves, which is immersion. People, people, (laughs) you want to be, do you want to be immersed in a video game, Keith? Nothing says immersion like spawning in 700 cheese wheels and rolling them down a mountain, let me tell you.
0: Oh, yeah, but... When talking about, like, not not just Skyrim. I mean, this could be Oblivion. This could be Morrowind. Despite the fact that the game is broken, right? It's like these faults were there. The fact, kind of like Cyberpunk, you know, like, it, the expectation is you will encounter a glitch. But when you're in this world you feel like you're doing something, you feel like you can make decisions, and I think a lot of people are willing to forgive some of the faults when the reason that you come into these games, in this case, action RPGs, is great. Like, uh, you know, going back to the topic of Yakuza, Yakuza 6 was my first foray into uh, the Yakuza games, which you suggested, and something that I love is like that game is tiny. If you'll think about the actual world, you're going back and forth. Okay, all
1: of them are like that. You play between like eight cities. In the same blocks. area, like Camarocho
0: and all that, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: think of think of that challenge, right? If at any point I became aware of that as I played, boom, you're done. But then when they combine the story with like badass action, you're like, dude, I don't give a. You could make this shorter, and I would still enjoy it because w- what is there? The reason that you come into a game like that is not even the story. It's like the characters and the personality, right? And then maybe the action. It'll be interesting. Like I want to eventually play uh, like a dragon, because I don't know if you saw. Like they seem to have confirmed that now going forward, Yakuza will be turn-based, and that's interesting yeah. because. Is that like the only series I can think of that went backwards? I mean not backwards in a bad way, just usually you see turn-based yeah, going to isn't the right
1: word, but yeah, it, I think so. It's it's almost like the opposite of Final Fantasy VII, right? Yeah. Where they remade the game and made it a more action RPG beyond turn-based where Yakuza's doing the complete opposite exactly and and for everybody watching and listening
0: we really would love to know just what makes a great action rpg for you i think to to sum it up is i i hate the 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 saying that's like a jack of all trades master of none but action RPGs need to have a little bit of something because you can look at a game like Tetris, They need right? to master one of the trades. <laughs> you got to master one of them, but you got to have a little bit more of the other stuff. Like Tetris, for example, as a game, as long as the puzzle element works, yeah, the music is important, but you're like, damn, this is like really good. But an act, the action part of an action RPG needs to be complemented properly with the role-playing part in order for that to work, right? 100%. Like, and, and I think that's like one of the more unique genres like a fighting game as long as like sure you can talk about the graphics and the characters but if the fighting flows you can forgive a lot of that stuff whereas action RPG the fact that
1: you're it's like a hybrid of genres. It's very I mean, difficult. Stories in fighting games are laughable up until the Mortal Kombat yeah. series. I guess it started with MK Nine. Like it, they've been laughable at this point. So y- it it's it it's almost like a scale where it was tilted so far in one direction in the gameplay side that you didn't even need the story side exactly. and and I'm happy we had this conversation because
0: in the podcast, uh, we haven't talked a lot about action RPGs just because generally speaking, these games last a hell of a long a hell of a long longer. very know? difficult to
1: review, it turns out. Exactly, and, and because and I'll never forgive you for not doing Knights of the Old Republic.
0: We'll we'll, we'll get to it at some <laughs> point. Like a uh, we'll we'll just give you like an a solo episode. I'm even okay. talking about Han. You can just do that by yourself. You yeah, can I don't want to do face. an
1: episode about the movie Solo. No, no, thanks. That's a terrible no? movie. Oh, okay,
0: okay, never mind then.
1: But everybody uh, join the conversation over at a cast of
0: slash discord. If you're checking this out on podcast apps, whether it be Stitcher, Spotify or anything like that, and you enjoy us babbling about movies, games, and all that good stuff, uh, please consider uh, leaving that five-star review. This isn't just a thing people say at the end of uh, videos and and audio to sound cool. It really is uh, the best way that you can support uh, same thing with YouTube. You know, so Thank you to everybody that's been enjoying the new format. For those on the audio platform, what we've been doing is we cut up these episodes into like these specific topics. So let's say you're like, oh man, a 40-minute podcast, I ain't got time for that. Well, we split the episodes into very key topics, right? Like this one, we did Mass Effect and then overall Action RPGs. You can consume that, mm-hmm. you can check out our mugs, and I think it's sometimes more palatable for those people that don't have like that time- like I, I can listen to a three-hour podcast, but sometimes I don't have time to listen to all of it in one go, and I kind of forget and lose my track and just don't listen to the rest. So that's why an they
1: made me suffer last week and couldn't compare Dino Crisis to other survival horror games for the first half hour of it's that a, it's conversation. A, it's a good challenge for Keith. It's a good challenge for Keith. Yeah, right? exactly. It's something about growing and getting stronger and being miserable the entire time. Exactly. And, and speaking of being
0: miserable, like if you want to check out our, our review of Dino Crisis as you're surviving with freaking dinosaurs, that is available uh, on the archive and the podcast app. So up until next time, thank you for watching and supporting, and we will be back with another exciting, sexy, retro filled edition of a cast to the past. And we don't give a damn about what Ryan has to think about action RPGs. He, he just has to get with our opinions
1: yeah i mean is pokemon an action rpg no it's a good question no it's 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 not not. maybe like the mystery dungeon ones so no i don't care about his opinion i guess maybe breath of the wild counts but even then whatever screw him. exactly